Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Okay, let's read Psalm 16. I think it's going to appear on your screen so you can read along with me. So Psalm 16. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I invite Andy now for to preach from the word. Yeah, thank you. Great. Thanks, Ruth, uh, for that. It's great to join with you here at, uh, at CCM. Lady Barn, again, I say here, I'm in my spare room, but um, you know what I mean, on Zoom. Um, it's lovely to be, to be with you again. Uh, I just want to start this morning by sharing uh, a story. Um, just want to share basically something that I saw on Netflix. I'm sure a lot of us have been watching loads of stuff on Netflix or Prime or whatever our streaming service is over lockdown. But a few weeks ago, I, I watched a documentary on Netflix about the life of Bobby Robson. Uh, you may have heard of him, the, the former England football manager. It was a really good documentary. Definitely check it out if you, if you get a chance. Uh, the documentary, it, it looked at all the football teams that, that Bobby Robson had managed in his career, all the success he had, the trophies that he won, and, and just how respected he was by pretty much everyone in the game of football. And then the documentary, towards the end, it went on to look at how he sadly got cancer and, 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 and sadly died in 2009 at the age of 76. But, but right at the end of the documentary, they, they, they interviewed his wife, and she said something that just made me quite sad, actually. She said this. She said, Bobby didn't believe in God. And actually, he was kind of angry right at the end at the injustice of his life being cut short by cancer. You see, here was a man who achieved so much in life. But rather than get to the end of it and feel satisfaction, he actually felt a bit angry. And, you know, sometimes I think to myself, if I live to be an old man, when I look back on my life, will I be happy with how I've lived, lived it or, or will I have regrets? And what I want to talk about this morning is how to live life well, how to live a life that when you look back on it, you can be happy, satisfied with it. 
And the key, I think, to living life well can be found in Psalm 16, which we're going to look at this morning. Ruth's just read it to us just there now. now Psalm 16 was, was written by David when he was going through a, a real tough time in life, possibly when he was on the run from King Saul, who was trying to kill him. So, so what can David teach us from this psalm in terms of living life well? Well, Psalm 16 shows us that the primary way to live life well is to trust in God. The primary way to live life well is to trust in God, which we see in verses 1 to 8 of the passage. If you have your Bibles there, open it up there. We're going to look at verses 1 to 8. Now, you know, you know you can tell who or what you trust in by what you do whenever times get tough. You know, one of the ways I know my my three-year-old son, Max, trusts me is because when we're in the park and he sees a dog coming towards him and he's scared of dogs, he comes running to me, not someone else. That's one of the ways I know he trusts me. Now, similarly, in this psalm, David shows who he's trusting by who he goes to when tough times come. He goes to God. That's why he's writing this psalm in the first place. He's going to God in a time of trouble. In verse one, he says this, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. This is actually the only request David makes in the psalm, but the fact that he's making it to the Lord shows who he trusts. In verse two, David continues by saying this, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. So David here is not just trusting God for safety like he does in verse one, but also for what he has in life. And you know, it's so easy to look at our possessions, our our house and our car and think, I've earned these. But trusting God means knowing that but for him, you'd have nothing, absolutely nothing. He's the one who's given you the skills, the talent, the intellect to earn the money to get these things in the first place. In verses three to four, he says, I save the holy people in the land. They are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Verse four, those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood. He's basically talking about drink offerings here that were sacrificed. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. And what, what David seems to be saying here is that he delights in the noble ones, meaning possibly the priests at that time, but that, that some of them seem to have run after other gods and are making offerings to them. And, and he's saying, I'm not going to do that. Now, you might be thinking, okay, making offerings to other gods, bad idea, uh-uh, I know that. But you know, don't we often do the same thing? Don't we often run after other gods? The God of success, the God of financial security, the God of a happy family. And we make offerings to them. Work longer hours at work, strive for promotion, overparent our kids. And when our gods don't deliver, we get bitter. David here is saying, you want to live life well? Then put your trust, not in these things, but in God. You know, I was was talking to someone a few weeks ago. He was telling me that their dad had had died a few years ago and completely cut him out of any inheritance. His other two brothers got everything. But he said, you know, I actually don't mind. You know, I've got God, I've got my health, I've got my children, I'm happy. It 
doesn't bother me. And you know, I was thinking as he said that, I was thinking, what a great attitude to have. Well, in verses five to six, we see David say something similar. He says, Lord, you alone are my portion, my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen from me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. He's saying here that he doesn't trust in his inheritance from his earthly father because he probably wasn't going to get much as the youngest son. But he says God himself is his inheritance. He is his hope and his security. Which then leads him to say in verses 7 and 8, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You know, such an important element of trusting God is keeping our eyes on him, which I think means thinking about him more and more, thinking about who he is, his character and his promises, bringing that to the forefront of our minds. That's what I think fixing our eyes, focusing on him is all about. You know, something uh, my mum used to say to me very often uh, in my mid to late teens was this. She'd say, Andrew, uh, my mum always calls me Andrew. Um, She'd say, Andrew, you always land on your feet. Andrew, you always land on your feet. Now, it was normally after something had just unexpectedly gone my way in life. You know, I'd done well in an exam that I hadn't done much revision for, or I'd get picked for a school sports team that I wasn't even trying to get picked for. And whenever my mum used to say this, I'll be honest, I never really paid much attention. I was just like, yeah, whatever. I just went on with whatever I was doing. Now, fast forward to the present day. I'm now 34 years of age, still, just, yeah, 35 next month, but I'm still 34. Um, I'm now 34. Elizabeth and I, we've been married for nine years. And, um, and there's been a few times, particularly in the early years of our marriage, when we, we were pretty skint. I mean, Elizabeth was living in, was still at uni. I was working at a low paid job and we struggled to make ends meet. And at those times, Elizabeth in particular would often get a bit worried about her finances. And when she did, what we do is we'd, we'd often have a good chat about it, which, which often helped. It was a good thing to do. But each time we'd have one of these chats, I'd almost always finish it by saying, I'd say this line, I'd say, don't worry, Elizabeth, you're with me. And as my mom says, I always land on my feet. Now, I was half joking when I said that, but half not joking, actually. And as I've been thinking about this week, I've realized that back then I'd come to half believe that I do always land on my feet. And that actually that was a sign that I wasn't trusting in God, but I was actually trusting in myself. Now, back then, I didn't know I was trusting in myself. I mean, I was a Christian. I thought I was trusting in God. I was singing the right songs, praying the right prayers, listening to good sermons. But when you dug beneath the surface, I was trusting in myself and my own abilities. Now, the reason I say this is because it's easy to listen to a sermon like this and think, yeah, 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 the key to living life well is trust in God. I do that. But do we really? You know, is he the first place you go whenever you have a problem? Is he the one you rely on for provision? Really? You know, I think for many of us, if we're honest, we probably trust God a bit. But, you know, I really do believe the extent to which you grow in your trust of God is the extent to which you will live this life well. I really do believe the extent to which you grow in your trust of God is the extent to which you will live this life 
well. So how do we grow in our trust of God? Well, prayer is one way to grow in our trust of God. That's what David was doing in this psalm, praying to God. For me, I find spending time in prayer helps me trust God more because the more time I spend with him, the more I get to know him. And the more I get to know him, the more I trust him. It's a simple equation and it works. It really does. It's that simple. But often we grow most in our trust of God when what we have been previously trusting in gets taken away. You might lose your job like many people have through this pandemic. And I think that's why so many people have turned to God during lockdown. Or perhaps you get ill and lose your health and your ability to do things. Or perhaps you lose a loved one. Often it's in these times when what we've been trusting in gets taken away that we really grow in our trust of God. American pastor Rick Warren, whose son tragically committed suicide a few years ago, says this. You don't know God is all you need until God is all you've got. You don't know God is all you need until God is all you've got. So how do we live life well? By trusting in God, which leads to contentment. Trusting in God leads to contentment, which we see in verses 9 to 11 of the passage we're looking at. If you have your Bibles, have a look at that. Verses 9 to 11. Verse 9 starts with the word, therefore, which means what comes next is the result of trusting in God says this, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. And that's the perfect description of contentment, isn't it? Being glad, rejoicing and resting secure. And it comes from trusting in the Lord. So how do you know if you're trusting in the Lord? How do you know if you're trusting in the Lord? Well, you're content even when your circumstances are difficult. You find joy in the Lord, even when work is overwhelmingly difficult or family life is hard or health problems don't seem to improve or you're feeling lonely or isolated or your future, you're facing an uncertain future. You can tell you're trusting in God when you're content and have joy in the Lord, even in the midst of the hard times. But you know, this contentment isn't just limited to this life but it continues into the life to come. In verses 10 uh, and 11, the last verses in this chapter, David finishes the psalm by saying, you will not, God, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David here describes this way of trusting in God and being content in life as the, uh, content as the path of life. I love that phrase. Such a good phrase. The path of life. Not just because it's the best way to live life in the present, but also because it leads, it's a path. It leads to God's presence and to eternal life. One commentator puts it like this, which I love. The refugee of verse one, because verse one talks about taking refuge. The refugee of verse one finds himself an heir and his inheritance is beyond all imagining and all exploring. That's awesome, isn't it? Give me an amen right where you are in your home, okay? I know Sheba has probably done that. James Adams, those are my normal amen people when I was at Lady Barn. But yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? 
the refugee of verse one finds himself in error and his inheritance is beyond all imagining and all exploring. You know, the thing about refugees is they're helpless. They're completely dependent on the mercy of others. You know, I'm sure we've all seen the heartbreaking clips on TV a few years ago of people trying desperately to cross the Mediterranean on boats that are completely unsafe. You know, most of us can't even begin to imagine what that's like. Leaving your home with just a clothes on your back. You've got nothing. You're completely helpless. Floating in the middle of a rough sea in a dinghy that could sink at any moment. But spiritually, that's what we were like before God rescued us. Utterly helpless. And you know, sometimes I think that because that experience of being a refugee is so far removed from our experience, that's perhaps why we often find it a challenge to fully trust in God. You know, most of us haven't had to experience what it's like physically to be a refugee, but that's definitely what we are spiritually. But God rescues us, forgives us, restores us, and makes us heirs, heirs to a wonderful inheritance. Isn't that fantastic? I think that's fantastic. So let's rejoice that Jesus doesn't treat us like a lot of countries in the world treat refugees today doing everything possible to keep them away. Now, Jesus says, come, come all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's rejoice that because of what he did at the cross, everyone who comes to him receives abundant mercy, forgiveness of their sin, and gets to become a child of God. So how do we live life well? We do it by trusting in God, trusting in him when we're in trouble, trusting in him for provision, keeping our eyes fixed on him. And that leads to contentment, joy, gladness, and rest. Not just now, but forevermore. Because as believers, we have a great hope. One day we're going to go and we're going to be with our Lord and be in his presence forever, which is going to be amazing. Uh, I, for one, am looking forward to it. I hope you are to let me pray before we worship again lord thank you for the great hope that you've given us lord thank you for dying on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven so that we can receive your spirit so that we can one day go and be with you in your presence in eternity forever lord help us to trust you more lord Help us to set aside those things that our eyes often focus on and take us away from you and trust in you, Lord. And I pray that through that, Lord, you would bring that contentment, that joy, that gladness. And Lord, I pray for us all as believers that we would be able to trust you in such a way that when we get to the end of our lives, we can look back and look at it as a race well run and be satisfied by how we've lived our lives for you. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.